I'll just say a little bit about myself before I get into the word that I believe God has given me for you guys this morning. As I say, my name's David. I live in Dwalish, which is next to Timmouth. Uh, I have a wife called Lucy and three children, Ethan, Miriam, and Micah. And when I'm not pastoring the church, I'm DIYing or spending time with them. So that's pretty much what I get up to. I just want to encourage you guys as well. As we were worshipping, I just felt God say, just show a little bit of my story. And a little bit of the story is, is that I've, um, over the, how long have I been married now? 15 years, I think. Uh, 14 or 15 years. Over those times, God has moved us around the country and we've got involved in planting various churches. Um, we recently, about five years ago, planted a church in Tinmouth. Uh, with my wife, my one, I think we only had one kid at the time, no two at the time, and about three other people. And, you know, it was real hard going. We met in a rugby club, there was beer on the floor, it was sticky, the bar was open, and it was a really weird environment, but God was faithful. And for two or three years, we kind of bumbled around in there, around 20 or 30 people, it grew to roughly. Um, and we were bumbling around in this rugby club, but we were seeking God, we were hungry for what God wanted to do among us. And it was this incredible time where we grew to maybe 60 people, 70 people, and then it kind of shrank, down, shrank back a little bit because we couldn't fit into the rugby club. And eventually we moved, felt God call us to move out into a sports centre. And we moved into the sports centre with around about 40 or 50 people. And we just trusted God. And this sports centre holds about 500. <laughs> so we're just trusting God that we, us little few people were going to, um, you know, God was going to add and grow. And we just wanted to be a people that were completely immersed in the truth of God's word and were completely available to the movement of the Holy Spirit. That we wanted the word and the spirit to come together in power. And we, and we sought God in his face for that. And over the next year, we saw a huge growth within our church. Our church tripled in size. We saw about 50 people saved and God just completely blessed the church. And then we moved into this year with great vision and expectation. Our theme for this year is radical love. And we're kind of trying to work out what that looks like as a people. And God has really now pruned us. People have moved on. The church has shrunk down a little bit. And he's been pruning us because we believe that God wants to lay firmer foundations ready to grow. And what I want to encourage you guys with is that as long as we are in the will of God, as long as we are trusting in him, he will build his church. He will build his church. And there are times that God prunes because I was looking out my window one day and we got a plum tree and there's hardly any plums on it because it's never been pruned. And I just remember God saying, if you prune that tree, it will grow. And he said the same to the tree. So we've pruned stuff back. We've, we've, um, yeah, we've just made some kind of changes within the church and we're already starting to see the church grow again. And so I just want to encourage you guys and as a church together to seek God's face. Seek first the kingdom of God, it says in Matthew 6, and all these things will be added to you. Because he loves his church more than you and I do. And his purpose is for his church to be the beautiful bride of Christ. And so we can trust him for that. I'm going to pray and I'm going to get into my message. Sorry, that was a bit of a preamble. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're already doing among us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will teach us this morning that you will reveal more of Jesus to us, in us, and through us. That we will have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And we will be willing and available for you to work in us in whatever way that you want. Father, we thank you that your intention is good. And so we trust you for that this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, when I go and visit a new village or a new town, 
I like to go into the parish church just to have a little look around. Does anyone else do that? If you go to a new village or town, check out the, the parish church. So you can see the beautiful stained glass window, the in- intricate carved ceilings. And sometimes I walk through these buildings. Some of them are vast. I went to a, I was on holiday near Seaton just earlier this year. We went to a small little village. It had a massive church in the middle of it. And it, was, it had the incredible carved ceiling, stained glass. And I sat there and I wondered, I wonder what that was like when it was first built. And when people were there worshipping and gathering, because it was built to accommodate the village, and the whole village would have come there to worship God, to experience God, to share God together. The the sad thing is, though, that as I go around sometimes to some of these churches, some of them aren't churches anymore. Some of them are houses or offices, been made into kind of museums or monuments. And as I was thinking about this morning, I really felt God say to us, He doesn't want his church to be a monument or a museum. He wants it to be a movement that is full of his life and his spirit. And I really felt that God was wanting to encourage us this morning that we are the church with flesh on. That we go out into a community as God's people, as his representative. We demonstrate Jesus wherever we go. And I was thinking about the history of Israel, God's people, and how God met with them, and God met with them, in first of all, with Moses, in these tents that they would pitch around different places. And as things moved on, that David came along, became king, and King David had this dream, had this vision, that he didn't want God to be in a tent, he wanted him to be in a temple. And so he had this great vision to create a temple, um, and it was actually his son, eventually Solomon, that took over the dream and the vision. And they built this vast temple complex. Um, the, the temple, I don't know if people know too much about it, but it was a, the main room was about 180 feet uh, uh, long. It was about 90 feet wide. The tallest part of the temple was 20 stories t- high, around 207 feet. And it was one of the most spectacular sites in Jerusalem. The people were meant to come and find God and worship him there. Uh, the King Solomon, actually, he went to the king of Hira, King Hiram of Tyre to ask for the best cedar to build his temple. He looked for the choicest stone for the foundation and he lay, inlaid it with gold. It was no spare, spare, expense spared. So much so that he got into so much debt that he had to give 20 of his Galilean towns to King Hiram to pay off his debt. Because he wanted something incredible, something spectacular, something worthy to house God, if at all possible. And I was just thinking about that. I was thinking, wow, they created this incredible place. And they would go there and they would make sacrifices and they would worship. But the interesting thing about it is the temple isn't there anymore. Or not all of it anyway, only parts of it. That actually in its history twice... It got destroyed, once rebuilt, the second time when the Romans took over in 70 AD. They did, well, they took over in 63 AD and then destroyed it in 70 AD. It is now no longer there. It's just a wall which the Jews will go and pray against. This spectacular place that was meant to house God is not there anymore. This place, which was once a place of, of worship, look what it says in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7. This is at the um, commissioning of the temple. It says, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord... 
in the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground. On the pavement, they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. That this commissioning of the temple, God comes down in fire and his glory and his power, so much so that the priests can't stand it. The presence is so weighty that they cannot even stay in that building and they have to retreat. And yet now, it lays in ruins, empty, dead on the inside. And I was thinking about the church of today, called to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. People that are not consumed and surrounded and beaten down by our society and our culture, but are alive with God. And I was believing that God was saying he wants to start a new fire in our hearts. A new fire there in our bellies. I love what Jeremiah says. He says, the word of God is like a fire in my bones. He's literally saying, I can't contain it. I'm on fire when I'm in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in our journey, if you've been a Christian for some time, sometimes that relationship can get a little bit commonplace maybe you know what it's like for those of you who are married if you don't spend and invest time in your marriages they can become ordinary in some way and yet if we invest time in them they become rich and a beautiful place to be same with God that he wants us to be rich with all that he has not to be consumed and confused and distracted by the things of the world but get so caught up with Jesus that our bones burn with a desire to be in his presence daily to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. I love what Jesus says in John 2. If you've got Bibles, I'm flipping around a little bit. Feel free to to join me in that. In John 2, verse 13, Jesus says, The Passover of the Jews was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple and found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And he makes a whip of cords and he drives them out of the temple with their sheep and their oxen. And he pours out coins of the money changers and turns over their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. God wants us now as his temples will come on, places of holiness where he can live, where he can be. You know, that's a challenge, isn't it, sometimes in the world that we live today? The pressures to conform to what the world looks like. The peer pressures that some of you guys are going to get at school or college when you get to. Friends trying to get you to do things that, you know, they don't, you shouldn't really maybe be doing or is not good for you. And yet those pressures are there and yet God wants us so filled with him that there's no room for anything else. Verse 18, the Jews says to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? So they're a bit unhappy with Jesus. Not the first time. Jesus answered them and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the body, his body, the temple, where therefore he was raised from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. That Jesus takes their temple, their monument, this building that had become about something that it wasn't meant to be, and he's saying, I'm going to bring it a new message. And this is what Jesus does for us all the time. What has your faith become that it was never meant to be? What have you embraced in your Christian walk, if you're a Christian here this morning, that Jesus never intended it to be? 
you know, we can get tradition, I'm not saying tradition is wrong or anything like that, but we can get so focused on tradition and religion that we start to make our faith into something. You know, I remember speaking to somebody the other day and they were saying, you've got to, you've got to say your prayers of forgiveness every night, otherwise God's not going to forgive you. you. You've got to sit on your bed and you've got to remember everything you've done wrong so that you can confess it to God so he can forgive you of your sins. I'd like you to find me where it ever says that in the Bible. It says confess your sins to one another that you may be healed because there's healing in the fact that we can chat, talk things through and work things through with people. But my Bible tells me that Jesus died upon a cross. And when he died upon the cross, it said it is finished. And what he meant by that was that the end of your sin, that because of his blood and his body that was given, sin has no more rule over our lives, that sin has been dealt with once and for all. We no longer have to beat ourselves into submission, but we come under the grace of God and we say, thank you, Jesus. What a good message it is, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that forgives us of all of our sins. And I said to this person, so say you forget to say you're sorry for one of your sins and you step out and you get run over, you're going to go to hell. And they kind of looked at me a little bit puzzled and I said, no, you come under the grace of God. He doesn't hold it against you. The Bible says that he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. But you know what comes with the forgiveness of sins? And this is the full gospel. It comes the healing of your lives too. Jesus died for our sins, but he also died for our sicknesses. Jesus' body upon the cross paid so that you may be well. Now, wait a minute, I'm still stuck in stuff, and I'm, stuck, I'm still working through stuff in my body that hasn't been healed yet. But I know God does and will, because he's Yahweh Rophe. He is the God who heals. It's not just what he does, it's his nature. And he can't go contrary to his nature. And I want to encourage you this morning, whether you've prayed a thousand times for something, believe that God will set you free, that he will heal you, that you will be made whole. Because that's what the word says. And I trust this over my experiences. I trust this because this is Jesus to us more than I do what I think I can feel in my body or see that's going on. Because his word is true. And God is saying to us that he wants the people that don't conform and don't make our faith into something. You know, if you have to sit in the same seat or, or you've got to have a certain service plan or you've got to, you can only have Jesus on a Sunday in a midweek group. Jesus is all through our lives. And he wants them to be, as John 10.10 10 says, I came to give you life and life to the full. And it doesn't mean that we don't have hard times. Please, please don't think I'm thinking that I'm just bouncing around on a bubble all the time because I'm not. I, get the st- I understand what it is to you know, have bad stuff come our way. But regardless of that, he is still good. He is still good. And his love endures forever. And I know what it is to be in pain and in darkness and despair. I know what it is to not be able to even face the day. And yet he's still good. And his love still endures forever. And I want to encourage you this morning. He loves you. And he's here for you this morning. And he wants to be so part of your life that you've realized how on earth did you live without him? I love what we read about in the book of Acts, Acts 7. It's a great book, Acts, if you have a chance just to spend some time going through it. 
and see how God will speak to you. Acts 7.44, it says, Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness. This was this tabernacle where God lived, just as he spoke to Moses and directed him to make it according to the pattern that he'd seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it with Joshua when they disposed, dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. So this is what we've been talking about. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. And this is the message of the New Testament, as Tom was saying, that Jesus came and he delivered us from sin, but he didn't leave us on our own. He wanted our bodies to become his dwelling place, our bodies to become temples for the living God, our bodies to somehow contain the uncontainable. Just think about that for the moment. Think about what a privilege it is to know Jesus. The uncontainable God. The God that you can't even begin to grasp. His infiniteness lives in you and me if we choose to receive him. And you know what? It's not just, you know, when we give our lives to to Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, the spirit comes inside inside of us as a seal that we are his, his children. But the Bible tells us that he wants to come again. And when he comes again, he comes in power. Now you may, I don't know what kind of belief system you have, but I believe that there is a place for us to be infilled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I know for my own self that when I received Christ, he came in and he turned my life around. But there was a day when I came before him in his presence and his Holy Spirit came upon me in such power that I could feel my hands burning. My whole insides began to tremble and I began to speak in another language. The Bible calls it speaking in tongues. And God wants to fill us on a daily basis with his Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time event. It's a continuous, as Ephesians 4 tells us, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuously being filled, empowered by God so that we can live differently on this earth. 1 Corinthians 6. If you flick forwards in your Bibles just a little bit further. Tells us at the beginning in verse 12 about how to live a holy life, that we're to set ourselves apart for God. And this is really important because God tells us to be holy. Our holiness comes through him and his spirit will work in us. And he says, flee from the things that take us away from God. Because he goes on to say in verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. What Paul is saying to the church in Corinthians, do you not realize with what price Jesus paid for your life? 
Do you not realize what it costs God? And you know, the gospel message is so palatable now because we're so familiar with it. But what we don't realize is the holy, untouchable God becomes flesh for us. He understands our weaknesses and our difficulties. He's then beaten, bruised, hung upon a cross. And if that's not enough, he then takes your and my sin upon himself. So much so that the the fact that he was completely united by the Godhead was suddenly wrenched apart. And he felt like that his union had been broken. It cost God everything to give you everything. It cost him his life, his dignity, his reputation even. Because he loved you that much that he didn't want to leave you alone. But he wanted to get you free from your sin and then fill you with his fullness. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Wow, what a promise from God about who we are. He goes on in his second book to the Corinthians. It's probably his third book. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, it says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. That means that Jesus will actually be seen in us. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Wow. I'm just overwhelmed by this God who gives everything so that we no longer need buildings. You know, we met in a rugby club with a bar where the guys were chanting rugby songs right next to us. And we worship Jesus and his spirit came. Because he lives in us. It's not about buildings and programs or procedures. It's not about how well we do something or don't do something. It's about us making ourselves wholeheartedly available to this God. When he becomes our everything, nothing becomes impossible. When he becomes our all, it's him that raises up and empowers us. See, the jar of clay, we're like cracked pots. Crackpots. Who wants to be a crackpot for Jesus, eh? (laughs) So that God's presence lives inside of us, so that people don't see me, they see Jesus. So when I speak to somebody and I pray for them, they see Jesus turn up. We've got a a cafe like you guys have. And um, it's right on a really deprived estate in our area. And there's a lady on that estate that's been there, and I've kind of known her for the last five years, and she was kind of in favor of us as a church. Then she sort of fell out of favor and eventually spread the word that we were a cult. <laughs> and it got a little bit messy. <laughs> but she still comes into the cafe. And the other day she came into the cafe and two of the guys there working there saw her and she'd had a growth in her leg. And she was having to go to the doctors to have some scans done because of this growth. And they said, can we pray for you? The first miracle was she said yes. So they laid hands on her. And they prayed for her. And you know what happened? And they only said a simple prayer. In Jesus' name, be healed. The presence of God came upon her. 
She felt God come upon her. She said, whoa, what's going on? I think I'm healed. That was the words that came out of this lady's mouth that thought we were a cult, anti-faith. And then when she went to the doctors and had the scan, it was all clear. See, God works through ordinary people like you and me. You know, we haven't got to have the best prayers. We haven't got to have the right words. We haven't got to have the right system. We don't need mood music. We just need to be available. And he moves. And you might say, but yeah, I've done that. I've prayed. I've stepped down the limb and nothing's happened. Join the club. I remember praying for somebody. I was really felt bold and God said, pray for them. They were giving up smoking. They were doing really well. They had all these cigarette patches on their arms and they were doing quite well. And I said, I'm going to pray for you that your addiction goes. And so I did it. I gave me my best prayer. Addiction go in Jesus' name. Because you have to put that voice on if you're casting out things. <laughs> no, you really don't. <laughs> and you know what? I met her the next day and she started smoking again. <laughs> But you know what? We don't give up. What, what, did it, what does it say? We, we're beaten, we're bruised, we're perplexed, we're, we, we come against in different ways. But so the excellency of God comes through, so it's about him and not us. See, what I'm learning is you don't just pray once. You don't just pray a hundred times. You pray until something happens. There's a story that Jesus gives about this guy that's in bed with his, with his kids and, and uh, someone's knocking for some help on it. And basically the guy gets up because the guys are knocking too much and they want to get some sleep. And he says, so it is with us. How hungry are you for God to move? That's the question. How desperate are you for God to move? See, we got to a place within our church that we were desperate, that if he didn't turn up, it was no point in us even meeting on a Sunday. We were just going to pack the chairs away and go home. And you know, it's easy to lose it, because as I said, when we saw God move so miraculously and save so many people, we got so caught up in the success of God that we'd lost that our focus and our love had to be him. And so we had to humble ourselves, repent of our, our wrong moves, and turn back to him and say, God, we need you again, as if we didn't need him already. We are desperate for you, Jesus. Turn up in this place. Move in our land, move amongst our neighbours, move here in Fivehead, in Curry Rival, in Langport, in wherever you guys taunt and wherever you come from. Holy Spirit, we need you to turn up. And you say, yeah, I am, I'm here, and I'm inside you. And suddenly you realise that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Peter talks about this idea that we're living stones. He says in 1 Peter 2, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn infants or babies long for the pure spiritual milk. And for those of you that are kids, it is painful when they're hungry, isn't it? Because they cry, they scream, come on. My kids still do it now and they're like kind of five and... I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I need to eat. You've just had a massive meal but I'm hungry again. And something comes out like a biscuit to feed them. But God is saying for that for us, are we hungry? Are we longing for more revelation? Are we going to drink deep of God? I read that passage earlier in Romans where it talks about these groanings that are too deep to understand. That when the Holy Spirit is at work in us, even words fail us. And it's like this presence of God moves so mightily as it did when that temple was dedicated and people fall on their knees. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So you're saved, but you can step into a further understanding of what Jesus has done, into the fullness of his gospel. If indeed you have tasted, and I don't know, have you tasted that the Lord is good this morning? I love the way that the rabbis used to teach the Bible to their kids. 
They would get them to recite bits of scripture and they would drip honey upon their tongue. And they would say, it's like honey upon my lips. There's nothing sweeter than tasting who God is in his life for you and for me. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, you're a church, that you come to him together as a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this. Temples being built up with the presence of God as our source. Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And Paul's talking about the riches of who God is. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. You might feel weak today, but he will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Something that's beyond the physical difficulties and and limitations that we have. That there's an infilling and inspiring, empowering that God brings. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. That is in Christ, in Jesus, that love is shared among you. You may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ. And this is what we need a fresh revelation of. The love of Christ because it surpasses all knowledge or understanding. That you may be filled, this is incredible, with all the fullness of God. Wow. Temples of the Holy Spirit, the uncontainable, in the containable. The fullness of God in you and me. What's the implications of that? What's the implications that the, the fullness of God is in you and me, whoever you are this morning? The implications is, is that wherever I go, Jesus turns up. Wherever I go, I leak. Because you know what? Because we're crackpots, aren't we, remember? So we leak God's presence. That when we come into a situation and someone steps into your cafe and they've been suffering with a toothache for, for the last week, you can know that God's presence is there to set them free and heal them. When you're at school and your mates uh, rock up and they've got this problem because they've, I don't know, been messing around and broken their arm, you can lay hands upon them and say, be healed in Jesus' name and know that that bone will be healed. What would it look like if it actually happened? What would it look like if we began to pray and believe so much more that we actually began to see these things as the norm? I wonder how many people would be turning up in that cafe for prayer. I lived in a village when I first, we planted our first church in a village and we took our house over from a witch. She was the local healer. And people would flock to her house to be healed through demonic power. The devil can do things, by the way. He can heal and, well, kind of anyway. And so he can mimic the things of God. And yet people flocked to this person for healing. They would pay to be healed. How many people are knocking down your and my door saying, I need to be healed? I need something different in my life. I need something more. I'm struggling in this relationship. I'm struggling with this problem. I don't know where I'm going. And I hear 
then you know someone who does and can and will do what is needed. Wouldn't it be amazing? Do you know it's possible? There's a passage in Romans, Romans 14, where Paul talks about that he has completed his missionary journey, that he came with such power, signs and wonders that that whole region had been drawn towards Jesus, which tells me that we can do the same. Fivehead Baptist Church, a place that people come in because you love each other, you love Jesus, and they meet him whenever time they come in. I want to encourage you this morning, this is the thing that God wants to do, that the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge may be filled with all the fullness of God now to him, and this is why we do it, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So whatever you can dream of in your imagination, however wild it seems, God can do abundantly more. Now to him is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work with us. To him, and it's always, always about Jesus, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout generations forever and ever. Amen. Because when they encounter the love of God, they encounter Jesus. When they encounter you and his work, at work in you, they encounter Jesus. We are to be the church with skin on wherever we go. Leaking God's presence. There's too many buildings, aren't there, that are beautiful on the outside but dead on the inside. Let that not be us, see? Let us be alive with all that God has. He's good. He's good. Let's just take a moment. Just take a moment just to steady our hearts. going to um, just like if you keep your eyes closed for a moment I just feel that God wants me to put a, um, <laughs> a thing out there at the moment and it's going to take a bit of bravery <laughs> and I believe what God's saying is if you want more of him if you want to experience the filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit something that won't just happen on a one off occasion but something that you will put in practice each day of your life becoming more aware of God in your life I believe God would say, will you be bold enough and just put a hand up if you want more of him and for his spirit to fill your life? And all I'm going to do is just keep your hands up, those who are putting your hands up. I'm not going to get you to do anything weird. I'm not going to make you stand on your head or bark around like a dog. I'm literally just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Right where we are. And he's here already. But what he does is he comes and he makes our spirit aware of him. And we connect with him in a deeper way. I believe this morning, God spoke as well as I was preaching, I believe there's somebody, one of our young people, has got uh, a gift of leadership upon their lives. God spoke to me very clearly about that. I'll maybe grab one of you at the end. He wants to release you in that. He wants to release gifts here this morning. He's got treasures that he wants to just hand out to us this morning.
Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Just keep your hands up. Just keep your hands up. Receive what he has to say. Holy Spirit, we thank you that we know that you come like a wind that blows across us, like a refreshing wind. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll begin to now blow across this service and across this people, across us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. I thank you for the faithfulness of those who have taken the risk to raise a hand here this morning. Father, I thank you that your word says that anyone asks will receive. And so in faith we believe that. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you just come upon these guys with their hands raised now and fill them up. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Empower them and fill them. He's releasing gifts of, uh, of encouragement. You encouragers, you are. He's called you to be an encourager for the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just over this place, Holy Spirit, just fall and fill and equip. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I really felt one of the words that God says is that he's going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. For one of you or two of you who raised a hand, there's been some seasons of devastation in your life. God says today they're going to be restored. Come, Holy Spirit, fill these guys with a passion, burning them like a fire in their bones. Teach them who you are. Show them your love. Release new gifts, new languages, new revelations of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. I want to pray for those earlier, Lord, as well, Lord God, that um, some of those medical conditions. Father, I thank you that, that you've already gone before us. And Holy Spirit, you're already here healing. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you for those conditions, those chronic nervous conditions, those uh, spinal conditions, those uh, relationship situations, those grief situations that people are working their way through. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are healing. We just say be released in Jesus' name. Be released, people. Be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, more of you. More of you. More of you. Jesus said this. He said, anyone who thirsts, you come to me I will place within you rivers of living water Father I thank you for that Holy Spirit release those rivers of living water for those that are thirsty this morning Father I pray for favour within this community here Lord God I pray for favour within the cafe Lord God I pray for favour with relationships with work colleagues with 
friendship groups, with those at school. I pray for favor and opportunity. And Father, I pray that as these guys step out, Lord, in boldness, as they become the church with skin on, Lord, as they continue to step on this journey that you have for them, Father, I pray that they will see you turn up in the most amazing and miraculous ways. That Holy Spirit, you will you encourage them and equip them with boldness. Lord God, I thank you for that. I believe that God will give you... Here's what you've got to do when you go out. You've got to look for the opportunity. It's sometimes real subtle. It just might be a little word, a little inkling, just an impression in your heart that says, go and speak to that person. And I believe that as you step out in those things, you will see God move so powerfully.